you have to surround yourself with people that are that pull the lid off your own brain because you only know what you know. You only have one <laughs> Take perspective. Take the lid off your, of your glass ceiling. Like, we got to lift it for yeah. you. <laughs> it's time to create a life that's better than your dreams with the I Heart My Life show. I'm Emily Williams, the founder of I Heart My Life and your I Heart My Life show host. This is your one-stop shop for all things personal development meets lifestyle. So pull up a seat, get out a pen and a paper and get ready to learn. Welcome to the I Heart My Life show, Mina and Jacqueline. I am so excited for this episode. I know I've been going back and forth with your team because I've been wanting to get this on the calendar. I've admired you for a long time and love the work that you're doing, the brand that you have, what you stand for. So I know today is going to be a really exciting conversation. We're so excited to be here. We're so happy to be here. Amazing. So why don't you take us back and share a little bit about the story behind the success of the product boss? Well, this is Jacqueline. If you hear our voices, I'm slightly more Valley girl, but I'm actually from the Valley. <laughs> you can recognize our <laughs> the voices. The classic Valley girl sound. <laughs> A lot of likes. No. Um, so what's interesting is Mina and I have been entrepreneurs since we were young. Like we've been entrepreneurial. We're first generation Americans. So I think when we were raised, we came with the belief and we were raised with the belief of you can kind of make anything out of nothing, right? Our families came here with nothing. They grew it. And we're actually taking it up to another level, like the success of our businesses and what we're modeling for our children. We truly are leaving a legacy and changing things in one generation. What's funny is that Mina and I actually met through a podcast Facebook group. So um, I've had my own fashion consulting business called Designer Consulting Co-op since 2007. Mina has been a, um, what's the word? Like multi-entrepreneurial yeah, serial entrepreneur. I started entrepreneur. off. Yeah, started off with um, self-taught graphic design. I ended up doing corporate annual reports for bi- different businesses like banks and that sort of thing. So I've always been a little bit like designy, if that's a word. But as far as like education, you know, one thing that's different about myself and Jacqueline, you know, being first generation American, is that I grew up thinking there was nothing but education. That it was very traditional. It was very strict how I grew up. And it wasn't, you. I mean, you can create something out of nothing, but you better do it through the traditional routes and the education and you don't laugh out loud and you don't make eye contact in, on the way there, you know? <laughs> so it is a little bit disruptive to what, you know, I was doing. And then with Jacqueline, she grew up with entrepreneurs. So I did, but I didn't want mm-hmm. that life. So I looked at them and it was like, <laughs> it was a nightmare. It was a roller coaster. It was like, are we going to pay the rent this month? Right. And I wanted so badly to have a secure job and work corporate. I went to college as well. I got my BFA in fashion design. I got a job right out of school. But I think that entrepreneurial spirit was there. So when the opportunities arised for both Mina and myself, like we we jumped and we took them. And one thing we bond on is that we worked for clients for a very long time and no more. So, <laughs> but I'll tell you what happened was during me launching over a thousand fashion brands for my clients, designing, developing, producing, helping them from scratch, I had decided to start my own um, I had two lines I started. One was an apparel company and one was an accessories company. And it was called Cuffs Couture. It was the most successful. It was sold worldwide. People like Kim Kardashian, Carrie Underwood wore it. Um, They were wearable wrist wallets. Now, years passed. I was having my second kid you know, running a business. And I didn't think I could keep running the consulting company and the cuffs company at the same time. And plus things were changing. So I'd heard Mina mentioned on a podcast where she sells little labels, which is her company. It's baby bottle labels, which you'll need when you have the baby, but uh, they're washable labels to put when you send your kids to daycare. And this coach online was saying, you know, if Mina ever wanted to be an Amazon expert, she could coach people knowing Mina now she's cringing and being like, nobody call me. Nobody talk to me. I'm not ever going to coach yeah. anyone. So we're actually, fun fun little side tangent, we're actually opposites on the Myers-Briggs. I'm an introvert, INTJ. Jacqueline is the exact opposite. We don't share a single letter. And so truly, when I heard my name mentioned, I was like, oh, cringe. And then, you know, more like, you know, like, into my show, like a hermit. Mina. Yeah, and in, 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 the, in, retros- <laughs> uh, in the opposite end of that, Jacqueline heard my name and her ears pinged. And that was kind of, you know, so opposite reactions to my name being on there. (laughs) So I found her in the Facebook group and I said, hey, I'm trying to liquidate this product. Amazon was newer. Um, What do you think about me liquidating on Amazon? And we just got into conversation and we realized we went from a video chat on Facebook. It was my first coffee chat. She had a lot of them. 
And I feel like I got the final Everybody rose. Everybody wanted to pick my brain. Yes. You know. If you're a bachelorette <laughs> fan, um, I got the final rose. Um, and then we just started talking and we took it offline off of the Facebook group and we started voxering each other. We realized that 15 minute messages was the max because we would talk <laughs> at each other for 15 minutes, which is probably what led us to becoming podcasters. But at podcasters. that time, Jacqueline was, it's so funny, it's come full circle, but at that time she was in Los Angeles. During the time that we've been partners, she went to New York City, for um, lived there and for the better part of the decade. Um, and so, but the thing is that when she was in traffic was really when we sparked our conversation. So she would be stuck in traffic, I'm guessing. And, you know, and I was I was only going drive. like two miles, but it took me an hour and a half. <laughs> I've driven the whole city, you know, but which by the way, right. I'm in Iowa everybody and Jacqueline was in Los Angeles and years later she's back in Los Angeles so it's come full circle but it was like it started off with conversation of us having the same love language of product entrepreneurship people understanding the wordings of you know it was really nice to talk to somebody that wanted to pick my brain but understood inventory and shipping and cost of goods and and pricing and production and just those type of things and it's just you you have a built-in shorthand and I think that anybody who has run multiple businesses or any businesses or done something that's different from what they've done from what other generations have done, you feel lonely in that. And so I think that that was really beneficial that we really just, we just hit it off. You know, I think that people sometimes just hit it off in in life and and then in a particular season because our um, daughters at that time were the same age. So you'll see that even, you know, when when you have your baby, that you'll just be more into the other moms, I guess, than you normally would that, you know, don't have kids at the same time. And so I think that was really helpful too. So amazing. And so I'm curious to know, was this kind of just kismet or had you guys been looking for business partners and potentially <laughs> like something the opposite. new? No, absolutely not. <laughs> you know what's so funny you is that people mean that, us. That, like, yeah. feeling about each- we did. And I think that what's so funny is that I always say that we're very lucky that we did end up having the same values because we kind of landed upon this business because we ended up, Jacqueline had a panel that she was talking um, to, that she was creating at um, the, what trade show was it, Jacqueline? So in the fashion industry, I would do the LA textile show where I would teach other fashion companies. And so they asked me to put together, not, I usually did one-on-one speaking and they said, could you put together a panel? I was like, what kind of panel? And we, you know, her just being my friend, at that point that understood what I was talking about. We were going back and forth and we're like, oh, you know, one of the ways of success for small businesses or for product-based businesses, fashion businesses is diversification. It's multiple streams of um, revenue coming from different sales channels. And so we positioned it, funny enough, because it's our signature program now, but we positioned it as multi-stream machine and we had a panel, an Amazon expert, a retail expert, a direct-to-consumer expert, um, someone who sold to big box stores. And so... What was interesting is there is one path that a lot of us choose. We usually start with our main sales channel, but then it's the diversification that is the the reason that the company will thrive. And so Mina came, the first time we met, Mina flew to LA as the Amazon expert. And we had been saying like, should we try and, because, you know, coaches tell you to sell from the stage. We're like, should we try and sell something from the stage? She's like, sure. So we sold a mastermind to the fashion industry. I put together a flyer with my graphic design (laughs) background, literally a flyer, like an eight and a half by 11 flyer, put it on the desk of everybody. That's paper. That's a paper Yeah, that's paper, everybody. And this was not that long ago. So this is 2017. And we're like, meet us out in the hallway. If you're interested in joining this mastermind we're putting together, doing this exact thing of multiple streams of revenue. And we signed 11 businesses that day. Yeah. PayPal on our phones, three grand. In the hallway. (laughs) Yeah. And so then, so then after we did that and we had such joy and it was the first time working together, my brother was like, hold on, Jacqueline, like you're going into business with a woman you don't know. Like, what if you're catfish? I was like, I swear I've seen her. Like, (laughs) so, um, yeah. And then in uh, January of 2018 is when we launched the product boss podcast because we saw that there was a need. And so I think the moral of the story is reach out to people. Don't be afraid to ask. You never know who you're going to collide with in this world. And then like, do like, become life partners with and then the impact you're going to have. But we didn't know it when we started it and we didn't know it for a couple of years of like how impactful this business would be to business owners around the world. Wow. Thank you for sharing all that. I resonate with both sides of of your stories. I grew up with entrepreneurs all around me as well. Um, I'm an introvert. My husband's a complete extrovert. So he wants to get on all the calls and I don't. Um, so I totally get it and love the dynamic and love that both of you were bold enough just to start, spark that conversation and 
follow it and see where it went. Um, and I know that you've had massive impact in such a short amount of time with this business. Thank you. So I'm curious to know, as you got started with the Product Boss, it's coaching and consulting, um, and so or, or mainly, and that's different than running a product-based company. And so what would you say the difference was for you or what stands out for you as you think back in terms of starting something that's product-based versus consulting, you know, uh, in addition to the obvious? Well, we're both product-based or, well, you started with client work, right? I did. So I was service-based. I started with client work and I became product-based when I had my second child and was really pregnant. My deadline was have a product business by the time that, you know, it basically birthed this baby. So um, I was really burnt out from client work. That was the thing. And I was like, I actually, um, and I was, you know, an entrepreneur. I had it in my blood. I was not willing to go work for somebody else. And so I was like, I know I can solve this problem. And so when I was going to, I knew I was going to put my second daughter into daycare. So I thought, oh, okay, my children are actually, my daughters are five years apart. So I solved my own problem of creating something that was um, waterproof, a dishwasher safe, steam safe labels that would have my daughter's name on that because I thought they would have already figured out that problem after the five years of giving birth, you know? And, and then also because... I think that our path, like when we look at each one of our paths, we end up where we end up and it's amazing how it feels like it was meant to be, you know? So I had the knowledge of commercial printing. I had the knowledge of Amazon at that point. I understood graphic design. I understood marketing. I also have my MBA and I have my advertising degree and psychology. So I've always been interested in that. So I think that when I felt that deadline, I was like, I'm going to make this happen. And, and I did. And I used my own knowledge and now looking back, I'm like, oh, you know, thank goodness I did. But the products business was one that, you know, solved a problem and I was able to grow it on Amazon. And I will tell you that was far harder than any other business I have developed. So I've been client work facing, you know, with my graphic design, corporate graphic design. Um, and it's like annual reports and that sort of thing. I've also had a product business, still do. My husband runs it now, um, even though I'm, you know, I'm not this front-facing partner, but obviously we own it as a couple, as a marriage. And um, he was, I retired him as a retail pharmacist. So he is still a licensed pharmacist, first generation Tidom refugee, which by the way, so this is really disrupting the generations, <laughs> right? And now he works for Little Labels full-time after five years or six years of Little Labels, you know, being mine, essentially, um, only me driving it. I think that the difference is, and even this client work, it came upon, not client work, masterminds and coursework, it came upon naturally with Jacqueline, you know, and I will tell you, it was like $30 compared to the thousands of dollars I had to put into this product business. So there, you know, with product people, I say it's harder, maybe I'm biased, but it's because you have to invest in raw goods and you have to continually reinvest. Whereas like other businesses, you you have to put your idea out there and see who is willing to buy. Um, and the minimum viable product in that case is like, hey, can I design your annual report? Or hey, can I, you know, um, coach you in a mastermind? You do have to build up the credibility, but at the same time, it doesn't require thousands of dollars at the get-go. And yeah. product business, in my opinion, is also the loneliest. It requires the most community around you because it's really hard to get that encouragement to reinvest again and again and again. So I would say that that's the big thing is like, that's why I feel like we make such an impact is because we're highly relatable too. you know, we're moms, we own multiple businesses, we're this like what you hear is what you get sort of scenario. And um, when we say relatable, it's that we're not like, we're not sugarcoating any of this. <laughs> like, yeah. It's hard, and we right? like to have fun. We like to laugh. Yeah. We like to, you know, and also we do the best we can. It's definitely not perfect, you know? So I think that that has really helped. But I would say that, that for me, that's the difference in product and services is that I kind of sway on the fact I am swayed towards the fact that product is harder and they require more community and now I, more support. I do think the difference is, so Mina came from service and then went into product, but she really figured out, and this is why with Multi-Stream Machine, which is our signature course, or the way that we teach, is that there's many paths to profit. So we're not like, we're Amazon coaches, and this is the only way you're going to do it. Because for example, for Mina and her lifestyle, she wanted to create a product 
that was for moms, but she didn't want to necessarily have a store, a store or do in-persons or worry about um, Shopify and like selling online. She really went the Amazon route where, where she optimized Amazon, Amazon ships, fulfills and sell, sells for her. And she just has to send, you know, one big package to them. Now it's not to say that she's not selling on Instagram and through her website or other ways, but that was her main platform. So she really didn't have to work every day in it. Plus she manufactures. Mm-hmm. Now, and then I would do my- like subscription boxes and flash deal sites. So I came from that world and then Jacqueline mm-hmm. came from the opposite world. Yeah. And then I came from truly wanting to be a fashion designer. So coming out of school, I remember in school, I went to one of the top um, universities in the country and they were like, everyone wanted their own line. And they said, go make mistakes on someone else's credit card, right? They're like, go work as a designer for another company. And so I, I did. I had a really big job at Cosa Bella, which is an expensive lingerie company. I worked for a celebrity where she gave us really free room to treat it like it was our own company. Um, and then when I left there, that's when I started the service space because all you had to be was be a couple steps ahead of people. I knew how to design. That was my superpower. I was in Los Angeles. I knew how to make things like go to cutters and sewers and do production. And that's why I took it and I was able to launch my own lines and be a product boss as well as coach and consult over a thousand brands to do it. And so it shifted from being a designer and an expert and wanting to have my own line to really being a service business. And I don't have a product business now because once I shut Kef's Couture, I went fully into support and coaching and really what we've built the product bus to, which is unbelievably like big and amazing and all the things. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I'm just thinking about so many of our students who kind of like you, Mina, are, have been in the coaching space for a while and they're experiencing a lot of burnout. Um, it's, you know, really like trading time for money. They're having to show up on calls, all the things and kind of have lost some of the joy in working with people in that way. Um, Now, I'm not saying that that's the right time to sort of throw in the towel and do something completely different, but I've heard from many of them that there is this desire for products. Um, And I know for myself, I've always wanted to start a stationary line. And so I had a few pieces of stationery back in the day, and I haven't done anything with it since. Um, but I'm curious to know if there are people who are interested in getting in to that space and, you know, they already have something else going in the background, what would you say would be like the requirements or like a checklist where they could say, okay, now is the right time. I'm going to give this a shot and, and just test it out. So I think that, you know, a lot of our community is introverted and they think that, and I want to say this as a caveat to everybody who's thinking about a product business, they think that they can hide behind their product. I was never of that belief that I had to hide behind my product. You know, I did it and I knew that I was going to need to sell that product. You know, you are the best seller of your product. You need to get out there, get feedback, test it out figure out who your customer is. And I did that through when um, I already knew a lot about how to do trade shows. I used to even have like a cozy, it was called a cozy scrapper. It was like a, a, you know, when scrapbooking was really huge, I used to do events. They would sell out 300 people and it would be like scrapbooking events and I would sell them um, clothing to wear during that day. And I would go to all these different trade shows. And If you've ever been to trade shows or had to sell at a booth, you know, or any farmer's markets or anything like that, you know that that is crash course and selling. You have to be on, you have to invite people in, you have to figure out what they are leaning towards and gravitating towards, and you have to tell them what the offers are. So I really understood before I even had a product business that I was going to need to sell not just the product, but more than the product. And I think that for everybody, if you're considering um, doing a product business because you're burnt out, know that you will still have to sell that product. Know that you have to sell, like you have to um, market it and be there and put in the efforts and and think about everything around the product. So I uh, and people are buying from people. That's the thing. You know, so for, um, but if you're going to start a product, I think that, you know, now's the time because you've never had so many things accessible to you. Never has there been a better time where women are, women, you know, marginalized communities, everything. They've never had this type of access before via the internet, via courses, education that we've never been invited to, you know? So in my day and age, everybody, it was that you had to go to college to get any of those skills or that, you know, even now there's an overabundance. So if you're trying to go to YouTube university or Google university, there's overconsumption, which paralyzes people because they don't know who to turn to. But now there's experts 
out there that you can literally pay access to. Just take, for example, myself and Jacqueline. You could literally buy a course from us and shortcut that time. Never has there been a time where people have been able to put out their expertise and really connect with people. So I think that, you know, for everybody who's thinking about a product business, like I'm of the thought that there's going to be, if it fits into your season of life, there's, I've seen it. I've seen so many people make different, tons of money in different ways. And it fits into their life when it fits into their life. So I'm not going to tell you there's going to be like, you're never going to be ready, just like you never are ready to have children. So if, but if you feel it down to your core in your bones and you're like, I really want to do this, I say do it because now is the time when it's just like, you know, you can really like invest in yourself and, um, and, and kind of like, um, compress the time it would take you to be successful because you can learn so much from other people. Whereas before there was no social media. You couldn't, you didn't know how to do those things. There wasn't even the internet when I was growing up, you know, there was dial up, you know? So I think, yeah, back in my (laughs) day, but you know, like it's exciting too, because we're starting to see like things change. And I think that one of the most beautiful things about um, the way that we've grown, Jack and I have grown, a community around us is because there's the other side of the internet, right? That you can actually say collaboration over competition and you can have access to people and enjoy each other's company. You can make bonds and friendships globally now. And that's what's really cool about it. Thank you for sharing all that. And speaking of collaborations, so I've been following, um, I'm sure you're familiar with Rif- Rifle Paper Company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We love them. I've been them. following them for a long time. And Anna Bond did my invitations back in the day when she was first starting wow. for our wedding. Whoa. And I've just seen it take off. And like their collaborations with KED, Ked like KEDs, I even have like um, Shaving Cream, that Venus brand. Yep. They did a collaboration with them. And so I'm curious to know, like for, for companies like that, that have one product, but want to expand, how important are collaborations? That's a great question. So uh, what they're probably doing is licensing or doing collaborations. So Joy Cho of Ojoy is another good example of working with Band-Aids. We actually did a podcast episode. We could pull that up to kind of share with her, but that was a, that's a licensing thing. We always reference Rifle Paper Company. And I think that kind of pulls a lot together here where, um, it's more than the product. So we know Rifle Paper Co started as one thing. One, it was her aesthetic, like her print aesthetic. And then she started with paper. Now you can buy pajamas. They've done collaborations with um, Somersault to do pajamas. Um, what else do we have? I have the pajamas from Rifle Paper Co. that you yeah, bought me. The pa- yeah, I got a – yeah. yeah and then, um, they've done – what's that? Uh, Swell Bottles. Swell Bottles. They've done a collaboration mm-hmm. with them. Mm-hmm. So I think as you yeah. grow, but the thing that Anna did and the thing that we even referenced back to this old email is like come along on Anna's um, you know, summer vacation. And there were emails that went out that incorporated the life and lifestyle that Anna was portraying, even if people didn't know – who she was like, you know, because you hired her as a designer, but that's kind of what Mina was saying about somewhat having, um, people buy from people. Anna's face wasn't in that email, but we were going along with Anna on her vacation. Um, so when it comes to collaborations, I actually have a client that I work with one-on-one. Um, the company is called fishy wear. She does, um, women's fishing apparel and accessories are out of Anchorage, Alaska. And she's like the number one women's fishing company for apparel where they've had a lot of success is they've collaborated with like extra tough boots. They have some other cool like um, things coming up right now. They've done things with Orvis where they've made a backpack with Orvis. So what's cool about that is it's a deal, right? It's especially when you're cross promoting, you're taking a print and you're putting it on someone else's product. There's a collaboration there. There's a buyout time, but Orvis by having this one particular backpack in Orvis stores, you know, nationwide, it gives credibility to the company. Now that's really big. Rifle paper company is really big. And that's if you're doing prints, it's easier sometimes to collaborate, but we've seen things even where, even in our own mastermind, um, we have this beautiful candle company. It's Lidstone candles. Greg is the, um, candle maker, if you will, but he has actually collaborated with another masterminder that had a boutique and did quote unquote white label products for her. So sometimes, like, let's say with you, instead of you having to go start and make stationery from scratch, could you collaborate with somebody who already knows how to do stationery and collaborate and do like white label where they design for you, but you don't have all of the sourcing issues or overhead issues and things like that. You let someone else that's an expert at that do it, especially if you're testing and trying. If it does really well, you go out and do it on your own. So I think no matter what, collaborations helps expand our audience 
It helps expand our product category. It helps expand our connections and also our credibility. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, that's so smart. Yeah. And even, you know, some of the, I was just shopping for um, a dress for my baby shower and there's this amazing fashion blogger slash designer who now has this collaboration with a designer at Dillard's and mm-hmm. like all that stuff is just so intriguing to me, like how people are doing this, but I love the concept of the partnership. And like you said, not having to get a PhD in something that you don't know much about yet, but just using someone else's expertise, partnering together, um, putting your design or your spin on it and testing that. Yeah. And I just want to share that one episode. It's episode 351. So 351. And it's Joy Cho of Oh Joy and how she juggles it all is what the episode's called. But she really talks about her licensing in there and partnerships. And she's one of the top people out there that have done it and licensed her print. So I think it'd be a really great um, episode if anyone wants to come listen. That's amazing. Yeah, we'll link that in the show notes as well. Thank you. So in the spirit of being real, I'd love to know what some of your biggest challenges have been as you've started the product boss and grown it all these years. Uh, Because I know that there are a lot of people listening who really admire the work that you're doing. And we always want to make sure that we understand that it's not like all, you know, perfect and roses and that there have been challenges that have come up along the way. So are you willing to share? Do you ever wonder when your life is going to get good, like really good, like trips to Italy good? Maybe you have the job or the business, what you thought you wanted, but it still doesn't feel like enough and you're ready for a change, but you're worried about the pivot. Or do you ever feel like your mind is holding you back from going to the next level, making more money and creating success? Have you achieved everything you want to achieve? Maybe more than you thought was possible, but now you're burnt out and your health is suffering and you barely ever see your loved ones. Or maybe you find yourself wondering when you're ever actually going to be happy. If so, I want to invite you to my Love Your Life Masterclass. Go ahead and go to iheartmylife.com go and save your seat today. This is a live class where I'm sharing my better than your dreams framework, which is all about helping you create a life that's better than your dreams. I'm going to be sharing three key shifts to creating a life that you love, and it's going to be full of my best content. So go to iheartmylife.com slash go and save your seat today. Um, I think that it was all rainbow and sunshines when it was just the two of us. Honestly, it was easier because we have such a strong bond and it was really easy. The hard part came when we were growing our team. And I think that that's the thing is like when you add more humans to the thing and you're responsible for them, it does get harder, but it also is more rewarding now too. So there's like the other side of that coin where it's like now we have a team that can support us, you know, and that we can, um, you know, build their skill sets and create bonds with them as well. So I think though um, that's been a challenge is growing the team and making sure it fits with a unified like vision of what we have. Because remember, we started this off as a panel that went to a mastermind. Then we started the podcast and now it's grown to like a global education. You know, we we sell education essentially and we're the faces of the brand, you know. We would never have imagined that for ourselves. And I think that... um, I think with everybody, when they're thinking about, you know, is the grass greener when you have a partner? When people look at us, they used to be like, I need a partner. I need somebody who fills in the gaps. And I will tell you that you don't necessarily need a partner every time because you can do collaborations or you can find the support. You can hire the support, whatever it is. Now, if you feel like you definitely need a partner, then you can get a partner. It's just that I don't think that's a solution to the problem when people think that I'll just grab a partner that offsets my skill sets and that, you know, that is their requirement in this world. You know, I think that's the really hard part of those expectations because I think that you can definitely partner up with people and doesn't have to look the way that we did it. But um, as far as getting real, um, we had to really learn how to be life partners. Like we had to learn communication styles. I think it's just the same as in any any marriage, like how we fight, how we process information. Also, it's a little bit more difficult. I mean, I've been with my husband for 17 years because we live in separate places. So we don't get to enjoy that day-to-day interaction with each other, you know, of like you can't get away from each other because, you you know, we're like – I'm in Iowa and she's in Los Angeles, you know? I mean, I've said, wouldn't it be great if we lived together? And she said, no, it would not be great. So (laughs) (laughs) here's, here's like the real part. We've both had business partners in the past. So we both had business partners that I happen to have one because I sort of, this is when I left working for that celebrity. I was losing my mind literally. 
and my neighbor who was a fashion designer was like, Hey, come work for me while you're figuring out what you want to do. And what if we partnered and, and consulted people? I was 26. What do I know about consulting? But I was like, sure. Right. I just took the leap. Um, Mina had a, a partner with, was it the scrapbooking company that you did? Yeah. The scrapbooking company, it was only for two years of that. And we did that as a fun event that we would do, but yeah. events are intense. So it was definitely like very, um, it was a partnership in training for and both, both of us. Both broke of up us. with those partners, not to our fault, and actually they've both apologized to us. Well, they broke up. Oh, I don't know. Like she literally, like she, go there off. was no ill will between <laughs> us. Um, she didn't break up with me. She literally divorced her husband and then moved away. Right. You know, so it had nothing to do with me. Um, but I was able just to keep the business and keep it going. And I did that for another additional five years. Yeah, and that's you know that's with mine too. She was pregnant mm-hmm. with her second kid. She was getting divorced, and then she kind of left me with the business. And that's actually what grew and I yeah. had for seventeen years. So. The thing that I want to say, though, is that we both had partners and neither of us were looking. Mina's husband's her business partner with little labels. What mm-hmm. I think happened was that it's exactly what Mina started with, with saying that we felt so alone. I had run my company, my designer consulting co-op company for 10 and a half years by myself without a coach because there weren't virtual coaches without podcasts, just straight up going to, you know, industry events, listening to trend, you know, reports, things like that, and just figuring the whole thing out on my own. So I think finding Mina was I say, I always say it saved my marriage because my husband would be so annoyed that I was always working late. Um, when I would complain about business or clients, I'd come to him and he, he would try and fix and he couldn't fix it for me. So when I found Mina, it was a collaborative back and forth where we understood each other. She could be there in the way that was needed in business. It was a, we called each other biz besties. Then I think to get even more real is like that we, we had two little kids when we started this. It was our second business. We're 37 and 39 when we started it. So we were in our late 30s. We would have never said we're going to turn this into a multi-million dollar business. Like never in our lives. We're like, maybe some people will listen. With like a big team and, yeah. you know. And and mm-hmm. Product Boss was Fridays only. And the other business was everything. Now Product Boss is, you know, six and a half days. Uh, no. So what I think what we're dealing with now is massive growth. We're a multi-million dollar business. We have a huge team of 15. We have departments, department heads, and we're both learning. We've never run business a business of this size. Uh, we've never had department heads. We've had to manage from the top down. And also with work, what got us here is going to be different than what gets us to t- um, eight figures to $10 million plus business. And a lot of it was on our own backs. Like we're building courses, we're doing the slides, we're creating the content, we're showing up live for everything. So right now our biggest issue is figuring, is giving each other enough grace to find the spaciousness that we need because we were super intense and we all know with the pandemic, like there's just been things after things after things of us showing up for our community. So now it's basically, we have the privilege to build this business the way that will work for us, but we're partners. So how do we do it that works for us individually and together? And I'll tell you, both of us were crying yesterday in front of our team. Which, so if you want you know, to hear real. Yeah, we're right in front of the kids, which we never <laughs> like to do. But, but you know, you know you get, we're, we're, not, we're in know. a hard place. Mina has been juggling burnout. I've moved across the country. We're growing super big. There's high overheads. And so I think that's the part that we're learning. But I think because her and I come back to eventually talking, talking through it, we're okay being vulnerable. We get mad at each other, but we're kind of like, in it for life. Um, it doesn't break it. We just learn to make it stronger. No, I, I completely agree with you. And I feel like team is one of the hardest things in the world. And especially just, you know, you can have the mentors and all the support, but the day-to-day navigating that, making decisions, like decision after decision, managing people, processes, all the things, it's a whole nother beast. And so I totally get that. And I appreciate your, your honesty there. What about mindset? So we talk a lot about mindset blocks, fears, doubts, money blocks. What came up for you as you were, especially as you were growing this? It seems like it took off really quickly and you had to learn kind of, you know, just as you were going along. So what mindset blocks came up Can for I you? Start? So as we're polar opposites, I grew up with scarcity of thinking I was going to be homeless and kicked out and like run, like money is not going to constantly come back to me, but it's going to just run out. I'm, I'm, and then I, I work with a life coach and she's like, you know how to make money. And I'm like, yeah, but what if it all runs out? What if the whole thing breaks and falls apart? Mina comes from a much more like abundant side that she is very hopeful, things like that. For me, I'll just say real quick is I work with a life coach and I was like, mm, when we made our first million dollars and then we were having million dollar launches, I actually said, I think I need you more 
I could not, I did not have the capacity. My body and my brain were like disconnecting. I didn't have the capacity to feel safe. I didn't have the feel, capacity to feel like we we've done this. We've built this. This is going up. This isn't going down. Cause I was actually having panic attacks hitting the number that I'd always, always dreamed of. And so I really stepped up my, my life coach. I really stepped up talking to her and like really starting to position like being grounded, but also I needed her to help me hold the abundance and not slip back mm -hmm. the other way. And I'll say it's been probably about a year and I feel like I've done, I've done much better. So that's, I stepped into more support. Yeah. I and, and I think Thank for you. me, you know, the reason why I, I grew up think, knowing, I mean, I saw my parents come, they didn't even speak the language. And I was, you know, like I was, I know there's like, I've already made, I'm already a success. So anything from here is just like this big hopeful dream. And I will tell you, there's been some mindset shifts on leadership. That was something that I did not anticipate that I would want to ever do. But with the pandemic, it forced me into leadership that I was resistant against. So it wasn't the money thing. I was no, I've always known I'm going to make more money than nothing. And I can always make money. I can literally like, you know, like just I think money is abundant. You know, you can always I see people make money. Yeah, literally. I see people make money selling anything like, you know, I think that you you can always make more money. You can't more, make more time. And I think that, you know, when we're thinking about like the mindset shifts, I had to really think about if I wanted to be a leader and actually impact people. And I think that that's really hard because we always talk about what's your purpose? What's your purpose? My purpose has always been about me and my family. And it was always been centered around the fact that I knew that I wanted my extended family, that I would take them wherever it was. That's why I live in Iowa. My whole family is here. You know, so I think that when the pandemic hit and I was forced into leadership, I didn't I wasn't for sure if I wanted it, to be honest. And so it was like, you know, stepping into that mindset shift of you can actually have both. You can actually be a leader. You can actually create impact and it will take nothing from you. It will actually give you more. And in my mind, it was like. I can only have one why, and I already got it. It's filled. It's my family, you know? And now it's just become a bigger vision. It's a different side of abundance that's not so much money, but more so like impact. Because, you know, to be honest, I wasn't even sure, like, I'm okay with not making an impact. I already am. I've skipped a whole generation. I've created a legacy. I've literally disrupted my my both sides of the family. I've got. I was the first one to graduate college and go to college, you know? So it was like, hmm. This seems like a lot of work to impact the world. And then <laughs> and then now I'm like, oh my gosh, like my purpose was much bigger than I even had capacity in my own mind. And leadership is actually what I was born to do. I just couldn't see it for myself. And I just landed here and um, it was forced upon me. But at the same time, like I would not, you know, would not go back on any of that. So I think that was the mindset shift that I had to kind of come to grounds with, you know? Yeah. So I'm curious to know you guys, like you've said this multiple times, I couldn't have ever imagined this. And I think it's so interesting because in the work that I do, we talk a lot about visualization. We talk about, you know, our capacity to receive more. I work with a lot of clients that have masses, massive dreams. And so, but it is always interesting because the mind can only take us so far. We're actually capable of far more than we give ourselves credit for and than we could ever envision. So what do you attribute to like tapping in to such an infinite potential? Um, is it like following those little, like that intuition and those little whispers, as I like to say, and just taking, you know, one step, step after the other, like, what would you say has gotten you here? It's almost like other people. Yeah. I was going to say it's something. other people. You have to surround yourself with people that are that pull the lid off your own brain, because you only know what you know. You only have one. Take the lid off your of your glass ceiling. Like we gotta lift it. For yeah. You. <laughs> no, your brain. You need somebody to blow your brain, like literally, because like you know, I I would never have imagined because I only know my own world. I only know my own perception of the world and my own filter and different things. Now, did I know I was going to make money? I really thought I was going to be like a professor or a writer or something like that. But how or much money do you think you're gonna make? Like. I I knew what I would make a like, like uh, I, I figured probably, probably like, uh, mm, I, I thought 200,000 probably, you yeah. know, 
Yeah. yeah. Um, and that was because, you know, like my husband as a retail pharmacist, he, he, you know, his cap, tap, uh, cap would be around there. And I was like, yeah, I was like you know, doctor money. Yeah, doctor money, <laughs> right? Without money. doctor hours, you know, because pediatrician like, money. <laughs> and so then I always knew that I would, I had the capacity to make money. But the other part of that was that I think that you meet certain people or you experience certain things, and sometimes it comes in the form of other people. Because even in the masterminds, for example, you get a whole different perspective. You get a whole different filter, a whole different path. So Jacqueline and I actually do that for each other, right? Yeah. We're able to pull the lid off of each other. Like when she hit scarcity, or I hit like. You know, I actually wanted to take a, a beat during um, um, the, pandemic. the pandemic. I couldn't even remember what it was called. I, I blacked it out at this point. Um, so I wanted to take a beat during the pandemic. And she was like, we actually need to move quicker. And so then I was like, okay, I trust you. We'll move quicker. And so, you know, it was, um, I think it's that. And I think that other people, like even when we are in a group of so many people, and Jacqueline can tell the story about how, you know, we realized that we had the capacity to be a million dollar business, but I think it takes being in the right settings and it requires yeah. other people for you to see the world in a different way. Yeah. I think as entrepreneurs now, everyone's really fortunate now that they have this podcast. There's an abundance of business podcasts. There's online courses. There's coaches. There's just, we have access to more people. But I'm thinking back in our day, when we say this, it's like 2017. It's really not that far away. <laughs> You know, I started, we both started our businesses around 2006. And so imagine like a decade of us, you know, I remember telling my clients, you have to get a website and get a whole landing page. Like that was sort of the very beginning of all that. Um, cause technology's moved really fast, but what happened for me is I, you know, even the, just the normal stuff of having my office and a neighbor knocking on my door and us collaborating and talking and thinking about new ways of doing it. But for me, the biggest shift was I had a client that was a female bodybuilder that made bodybuilder bikinis. Okay. And she was actually our, one of our first people in our mastermind, but she was the first one to tell me about podcasts and business podcasts. So great. Now I start listening to the biz chicks podcast with Natalie Ekdahl and great podcast. And she is talking about how as women, like we should hire help at home and that we could raise our prices. All she talked about was raising our prices. And then I hired her as a coach. She's how Mina and I met. And then she says, you should raise your prices. Like, no, I've always charged my clients $1,800. Like I could never charge them more. She got me to raise my price to $10,000 a month. And my clients said yes. Right. And so I would have never even imagined that I was of value enough to have a $10,000 a month client, which led me to Mina. Right. And then we started thinking, cause we were around this coaching business with Natalie's company and we started thinking, what we, can we do? But the biggest pivots for us happened with was leaving our comfort zone and going around other people. And as you start to level up in your business, you're going to want to level up the groups you're with. And that's why when we do our masterminds, they are based on revenue because mo money, mo problems or like different experiences <laughs> at different levels. Yeah. So the very first thing we did is we went to this 40 person mastermind that we had found out when somebody in the industry we really love and respect was going, we're like, oh, if she's going, maybe we should go. Two, Amy Porterfield was going to be there speaking to a group of 40 people. We're like, when are we ever going to be in front of Amy with 40 people? We didn't know what it was going to do. But the people we met there impacted our lives in so many ways. Actually, my life coach I met there, someone who built our website was there. The person who led us to our ads team was there. But that's where I stood up because at the very end of this two days together, She's like, what were your biggest takeaways? And I stood up and I said, I think we could be a million dollar business. I think we had made $90,000 at that point. And I said, I think we could be a million dollar business. Why? Because I was exposed to other people that were doing it in different ways. And we would have never known, oh, if we create a course or we run ads without being around it. And then the yeah. next time was we joined masterminds with people who we're in a mastermind with people making $10 million and beyond. And they're talking about private jets as write-offs. Again, we would never have that conversation yeah. had we not surrounded ourselves with people at a different level. Yeah, it's law of exposure, right? So it's like you're exposed to what you're exposed to, and it will limit you. Your limiting beliefs, just like as a child, you learn certain beliefs and they're ingrained in your brain until you decide what type of environment that you're going to kind of like change up, however uncomfortable that is. And so I think that that is really the thing that we do really well is that, you know, like for me, um, you know, being an introvert, I get it. Sometimes people like you, you're a fellow introvert. It's hard to be like, oh, I'm going to go to these things. But I did go to conferences. And you know, I did go to- I ever did. 
Yeah, I did go to conferences and, you know, even with podcasts, I discovered, you know, the podcast through like kind of kismet, like even Natalie Ekdel, right? Um, My daughter was in the hospital for open heart surgery. I thought I literally was having a mental breakdown. I couldn't listen to music because it would send me into like emotional turmoil. I couldn't watch TV because I would rage at the TV. Like I remember this specific um, full house episode that came on. I was like, I couldn't, you (laughs) know, like, yeah, I was so like yeah. mad at the and angry at the world, you know? Yeah. And I was having a nervous breakdown and I couldn't, I remember being in the Starbucks, I was in the hospital and I was so pissed at the people just drinking coffee. You know what I mean? And then I was like, okay, so what can I do on my phone? Because I literally am going to have a mental breakdown. And that's when I was like digging through my phone and believe it or not, I really didn't know that the podcast app was on there. And I was like, oh, look at this what's this doodad, you know? And it was like, oh, then I started listening to Natalie Ekdal, Biz Chicks, in one ear, and it helped me through this really hard time where we had to live at the hospital and she had open heart emergency open heart surgery. And I didn't even listen to what she was saying. I actually just enjoyed the cadence of her voice. So it was like she talks in a very calm manner like this. And, you know, you can hire help and you don't have to do it all. And there's, you know, the mom guilt thing, too. She talked about mom guilt. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, she's not that annoying, like, full house, you know. <laughs> you know. So literally, like, all these things going through my mind. And that's how I discovered her. And when I got out of the hospital and, you know, I went through postpartum and everything, I ended up writing letters to all the people that significantly impacted me during that time. And I had sent Natalie an email, and that's what got me into her kind of ecosystem. I actually paid her for strategy sessions, and then she brought us together. So I know it seems like a crazy story, but we all have those stories, you know, of, hey, what happened? Like, even that event, we kind of backtrack it, and then it just leads you into a certain place. Now, would I have said, hey, I'm going to go find a business partner, start this multi-million dollar business, have a team? I would have been like, absolutely not. You just take the steps that are in front of you, you know? Yeah, no, I completely agree. I, My husband and I often trace back some of those pivotal moments and things that have happened, and it always comes back to people. And mm-hmm. we added up, we've spent over $700,000 in masterminds, coaches, like mentorship over the last eight years. And I'm not saying that everyone needs to spend that amount of money, but like we've seen so much value from those connections, like I mean, everything comes back to that. So I agree with you completely. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I think it's personal growth. (laughs) Number one tip. What'd you say? I said, I think it's a personal growth thing too, you know. For sure. Yeah. I remember one of my coaches telling me it was possible to turn my annual income into my monthly income. And I was like, again, mind blown, lid comes off um, because you don't know what you don't know. And then when you see other people doing it, if you do have the right mindset to know, okay, it's possible for me too, then you you can figure it out and you have that belief in yourself. Yes, absolutely. So I'm curious to know, what's the top tip for mompreneurs? Because I'm about to be a mom. (laughs) I'd love to know how you guys do it. What is one tip that you both have? Well, a lot of people talk about juggling or um, balancing it all. And we call a little bit of BS on that. It's hard, right? If you're juggling, something's up in the air and something's potentially about to drop. Um, If you're balancing, it's hard to balance, especially as, you know, career-driven women, like it's nearly impossible. Yeah, it requires it, it perfection. Puts a lot of stress on us, right? So we really come up with the concept of the blend. How do we blend our business and our personal life? And that goes to our our personal relationships with like spouses or partners, that's our children, that is um, our friends and family, and that's our business and what we give our team. And so it's going easy on yourself. You're going, what I learned from Mino is seasons. I never thought about life in seasons and you're about to enter a season that is going to be the cuddliest, like most beautiful season that will feel so long until it's done. And then you're like, holy moly, that was so short. So I think it's, it's hard when we're in it. Now our kids are older and you know, they're like seven and I've got an almost 10 year old. You've got a 12 year old, um, right. I keep missing mm-hmm. up her yeah. age. Yeah. She's 12. Um, and we've been together since our, our girls were two. And Mina and I have very different um, positions in, in a way. Like for Mina, when she would leave her kids to go to work, things she'd leave them. She felt a lot of mom guilt and leave them gifts all over the house. And I'm like, they're fine. I'm good. I'm out. I'm not giving them presents when I go away. <laughs> every sleep like away, that. every night I would have a scavenger hunt for them to find 
you know, a line bag that I left for them that was based off of emoji clues. Like if it was a toilet emoji, they would find it in the bathroom or whatever. But that, you know, kind of like made it exciting for them that I was gone and that they looked forward to. But I think that that's a really good tip. Uh, That's what I was going to say was the seasons. I think that, you know, you're going to enter a very hard season of it's going to look imperfect. You're not going to be able to control even 1% of what's going to be happening likely. And um, you need additional support. So like if you can hire support, if you can, you know, DoorDash most meals, if you could pre-plan a lot of those things, if you could do those things ahead of time, I think that know that you're just going into a more challenging season. It's very rewarding, but you're going to have very little sleep. And so you know, blending it together feels, I mean, right now we're living the life, let me tell you. But there's times where I miss how hard that, not that I miss the hardest, I miss the age of the kids because they were so loving and they were so like, you know, like you, I think as moms, we're just like, I don't know, you you get to, it, that stage was beautiful in its own way. So I think that we blend it, we lean into the seasons. Now Jacqueline and I are in an easier season, but when we started the product boss, we were in a hard season. Yeah, you two know. businesses, two kids, two-year-olds. I think, and, and that's why I want to go back to the blend. Think about how you can blend mm-hmm. your life and that it's messy. Think about a blender making a smoothie in the morning and sometimes it splatters all over the walls and that's okay. And sometimes it's going to be perfect. Um, and there's always the middle. It's um, And so I think in that way, but going back to our key advice is that we have to blend but it's okay to ask for help. And as women, we weren't necessarily raised in asking for help. Maybe it showed weakness. Or I know when I was growing up, it was like either a kid was a latchkey kid and their parents worked and they had to come home by themselves or your mom was a full-time mom or there was somewhere in between. But it's like, oh, if you're the nanny was raising the kids or something bad attached to that or like the parents didn't care. Yeah. We're in such a world now where one, parents are required to work. Um, women want to work. We are building beautiful careers and teaching our children through what we do. Um, and so I think that's it. My personal assistant is Instacart and DoorDash. Um, I get my coffee delivered when I don't have time to run out because I wanted to drop the kids off, but I have a meeting. Um, I have not been to a grocery store in a really long time. I even got soil delivered on Instacart from Lowe's the other day, right? So I know mm-hmm. it sounds a little bit like privilege, but hire, this is what we learned from Natalie Ekdahl, hire what you can afford get help where you can. And it's going to give you so much more space and less of that guilt because you can kind of get more done. Yeah. Yeah. So what are you guys most excited about coming up into your next chapter talking about season? Um, I think I'm excited about just like what our business can become. And I'm excited about we, we have really worked hard, you know, and put in the hours and, 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 and it's been great. Like we've been a pandemic. We were in front of our computers. I did the most videos that it was known to man ever, you know, like that was my challenge was like, I'm going to do those most videos that I can. And now we get to make it easier. I am looking forward to, thinking about how life could be easier so then our business really does support our lives and um, getting to enjoy a bit of, you know, like, I don't know, just like what we've built. And I think that that's, um, that's going to be really exciting. Like I'm looking forward to the, the new connections we make, the places we go, how we can take our community along with us. And, um, and then also my kids are older too. So like focusing on me a little bit more and my time and, um, you know, and not being in a pandemic or, you know, feeling like this expectation of, you know, that we have to, like it being okay that we just lead and not so much like pull, you know. Well, we were definitely trying to support everyone to survive. And so Mm -hmm. it was like very much a thing of helping our businesses that were in our community survive and they did, they crushed it. Yeah. I'll tell you that from a business perspective, we teach bestseller. So we teach to lean in, like usually eight, the Pareto principle, 80% of your revenue comes from 20% of your products. We teach that for product-based businesses, but the same is to be said for service-based. And we are globally known, we have a global community in our in our main um, program, which is Multi-Stream Machine, which is incredible. It has made millions of dollars for product-based businesses, all in different ways. Like we talked about, it aligns with what they want. If they want to do in-person, they want to do wholesale, they want to do Amazon, it's however they want to move forward. Um, And so I think what we're going to shift our focus to in 2023 is how do we continue to scale this business to eight figures and beyond 
really focusing on our signature program, not having to add in group coaching over here or cash injection over there, but really trying to scale a, a fully focused um, program driven business. And we still have our mastermind as well. But um, I think that's going to be a challenge for us, but we've seen and proved that it worked for the last several years. And we're going to just, we're going to test and try. Hmm. I can't wait to watch. Yeah. And excited. the final question I have for you is a question we ask all of our guests on the show. We've talked a bit about how you can exceed your own expectations, but what is one way that people can create a life that's better than their dreams? Mm. A life? Well, I think we're doing it right now. I think I think to dream, have a, audacious dreams. We just had an in-person event with a, a handful of our community in Los Angeles. And the first question we said around the room was like, where do you see yourself in three years? And everybody's answer was like, happy or working less or, you know, it was kind of emotionally charged, but it wasn't like really big idea or thought. So then when we did it again, we were like, cause um, the, the woman that was, uh, we rented out a Michelin star chef, like private uh, dinner. And this Michelin star chef was like, I just say crazy stuff. And eventually, you know, it's kind of manifesting. She's like, I just say crazy things out into the world and they actually end up coming true. And so we went around the table and we said, say something crazy, something that you like, you know, one woman covered her eyes to tell us this crazy idea. There were um, so many tears. Oh, it was amazing. All around. But close your eyes and say something audacious, say something crazy, say something that's bigger than anyone around you could ever say. I remember telling Mina, well, you know, like when we were kids and they used to say you could be an astronaut. I mean, it's like, I was never told I could be an astronaut and I couldn't. And nor would I want to be like the idea of space <laughs> to me is like so frightening. But I couldn't you believe know? like parents also put caps on their kids' belief in what yeah. they can be, right? And so, but allowing it to be anything and then even blowing your mind a little bit more. So I think if everyone could close their eyes and say something that's like wild to them, but put it out there because good example for me is um, one of our coaches was in Lake Como coaching us like face-to-face -face like this, like online. And I was like, gosh, I'd love to be in Italy. Like Lake Como, I've never been. I know George Clooney likes to hang out there. This is post pandemic and I haven't traveled globally in a while. And my husband says, oh, I'd love to sing at concerts. I'd love to do more concerts because he comes out of musical theater. And the next morning, we both said this the night before, the next morning he gets a job offer to go sing a concert of Andrea Bocelli songs at Lake Como and that they're flying spouses with them. I was like, this is the craziest thing. I just said it and it happened. And so just say crazy things and close your eyes, make that wish, and then watch what happens. And then I love that. And I love too. also <laughs> like when you have a trusted network, like you guys do sharing that, that, that verbally, because you never know who's going to be able to help you mm -hmm. and who's going to help you make that dream a reality. Yes. Yeah, for sure. I think my advice though, and I want everybody to hear this very, very clearly, you need to stop comparing yourself to other people. That is the first way that you don't attached to manifestation is because you will be attaching yourself to what other people think or what other people's expectations are or what, you know, like in comparison, I'm not, I'm not the product boss or I'm not this person or that person. And I think that that steals so much from you, not just your, you know, mental ability of enjoying it, but also the, the belief that, you know, that validation comes from you reaching somebody else's goal, you know? So I think that, you know, for everybody who's thinking about those big audacious goals, it does not have to, It it's in a silo in a lot of ways, you know? So you take in the filter of what you need, you take it in from the other people that we told you that you need to get out of your comfort zone, and you apply that to your own path. Because your path is the one that matters. It's not like what this person is doing over there or what this person is doing over there when they're in their path, because you get to choose the pace, right? And I think that ultimately that, if you get lost in somebody else's pace and somebody else's path, you're going to lose sight of why you even wanted though that big thing in the first place. And I think that that get that's a hundred percent almost of where we see people get lost is that they're comparing to other people. Yeah. Yeah, I always say that you can use your jealousy for good in the sense that people can inspire you to see what's uh -huh. possible. It's a compass. And it can clarity, mm -hmm. right? Like you see that you desire something like the Lake Como trip or the business, use that as inspiration not to take yourself down. Yeah, for sure. 
So where can people find you? Well, you can listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. So it's the Product Boss Podcast. We're also the Product Boss on Instagram. Come say hi. Let us know you listen to this episode and if you loved it. Um, and then we wanted to give your listeners something. So if you go to theproductboss.com slash iheartmylife, so it's theproductboss.com slash iheartmylife, um, we want to help you really kind of discover and lean into your best sellers. So how that can really be the start of a snowball that um, grows momentum for your business. Oh, thank you so much. That's so generous. So everyone go to theproductboss.com slash iheartmylife to get that and to learn more about their incredible work. Listen to the podcast, follow them. Um, thank you so much, ladies. This has been such an incredible conversation. I'm so grateful for your time and just all of your wisdom. And I'm so inspired. So thank you for bringing all of your energy to our community. Thanks, Emily. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the I Heart My Life show. Now do us a favor and tell people about this episode. It's truly our duty to make sure that the I Heart My Life movement is spread far and wide. The truth is life can be challenging, but it is possible for all women to love themselves and their lives. And while you're at it, send a link to this episode to three of your friends today, or maybe even post it on social media. Use the hashtag I Heart My Life Show. That's hashtag I Heart My Life Show. And if you'd like to help me personally, then please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Give us some stars, cheer us on, and leave a review because believe it or not, that stuff actually really does help. And I read all of them. Please remember everything you desire is meant for you and possible. Keep showing up, taking action, and believing in your dreams.